If your presence does not go up with us, do not send us out from here. That's what Moses said as he stood in a desert looking into the promised land. And he said, I'd rather live in this desert the rest of my life, God, but have you with me than have to go into a lush green place without your presence. Because the presence of God was what liberated the people of Israel from slavery in Egypt. The presence of God went before them, leading the way. He was their rear guard. It was through his power that the Red Sea was split. It was through the presence of God that each day manna was provided for the people of Israel. He was their protection, their shield. They made a portable temple, the tabernacle, and carried him around where he dwelled in a special place because they knew the value of the presence of God. And so as we prepare to go out over these next two weeks into our city to love them, we would say the same thing. God, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us. Amen? God actually built his chosen people of Israel, his special people through whom he would display his glory to all nations, he built them around his presence. To Moses' successor, Joshua, he said, you go and I'll be with you. They came up against an enemy fortified city full of people that were wicked, that had been sacrificing children to God, and God said, they're moving out and I'm moving in. But you would expect that they would have constructed siege engines to take down the walled city of Jericho. No, they walked around it singing praises to God with the presence of God. And then the walls fell down. As the song sings, it goes, this is how I fight my battles, with the presence of God. God completed the conquest of Israel, of the promised land, uh, through King David, who delighted himself in the presence of God, no matter his circumstances. It was his son Solomon who built a permanent temple for the presence of God. And in the holy of holies, the inner sanctum of the temple, where the Ark of the Covenant was, and two cast gold angels held their arms up, one and then the other, the presence of God dwelled in a special and glorious way. And the people of Israel knew that God was there close to them. They would come and worship him and they felt his blessing and holiness radiating out into every aspect of their lives. And that is how we're supposed to live, my friends, around the presence of God. Unbelievably though, this Israel began a horrible game of seeing how many steps they could take away from the presence of God before they lost him. Moses had said, I won't take one step without you, and they started doing that. Have you ever played that game? What they began to do is they began to say, God, we know that you are holy, 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 and you've called us to be a holy people, but we're gonna engage in sexual sin we know that you are a jealous God. You say apart from you is no other God. All the glory only goes to you, but we're gonna consult other spiritualities. We will mix them. We will see mediums, spiritists, and we will mix those things in. We will not rely on you as our protector. We will make alliances that are compromising. We will rely on our wealth. And all these things began to happen 
as they sunk deeper and deeper. They even made a game out of repenting. Have you ever done that? Oh, I'm sorry, God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And right back to the sin. And every time they went right back, it got deeper. Friends, God is love. But you cannot play a game with the Lord God Almighty who is holy, holy, holy and win. The saddest part in the entire Old Testament came when God said, I will remove my presence and I will reject Jerusalem, the city I chose, and this temple about which I said, my name shall be there. And the prophet Ezekiel saw it and he says, and then I saw the glory of the Lord, it departed from the temple. And with the presence of God gone, the city was quickly overrun. Many people died. The walls were torn down. The temple was put to the flame. And the remaining people were carried off in deportation to Babylon. And all they were left was utter desolation. Isaiah the prophet mourned over this city. The earth dries up and withers. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws. The ruined city lies desolate. The entrance to every house is bared. In the streets, they cry out for wine. All joy turns to gloom. All joyful sounds are banished from the earth. The city is left in ruins. Its gate is battered to pieces. At staff meeting a week and a half ago, we had an extended time of prayer. Not the kind of prayer where you say a prayer, but the kind of prayer where you enter into the presence of God. And in a moment of stillness before God, I had a real sense, uh, actually, that Susan Downey was going to say something. And so I was very feeling it. And then Susan Downey said something. She had a word from God. And before I share the word, I want to explain how you get a word from God or a word of knowledge, as some people call it. It's not an emotional thing. It's not a thought that you come up with. It's when, through the connection with the Holy Spirit, He communicates with your spirit, and it erupts into your mind and your emotions. I was listening closely when Susan began to speak, because for starters, Susan was raised a Baptist, and Baptists don't get words of knowledge in general. The second thing was that, uh, excuse me, the second thing was that God had already spoken to me to listen to her. And these are the words that came out of her mouth. She said, God has given me two words, collective void. I am not exactly sure what it means, 
but I feel it's really important. And the moment she said that, I knew exactly what it meant because God had been telling me, don't prepare your message, <laughs> hold off. And by the way, that's a terrifying thing for God to tell you if you're gonna get up in front of a bunch of people and speak. Just don't get prepared. <laughs> Week and a half, oh, that's, too, that's not enough time for me. And there it was, collective void. Friends, that's a good way to describe Jerusalem after the presence of the Lord had departed. But it is an amazingly accurate description of the city of Moncton right now. Drive downtown. Look at what has become at the center of our city. Rampant homelessness. Properties going down in value because of crime upon crime. People leaving the center. And what scares me even more than what I see, what we see, is what we don't see in our community. Because in the suburbs, behind clean windows, are people with emptiness in their hearts. And they're experiencing a void that is so real they do not know what to do anymore. They live in a world of endless choices and they have no truth with which to guide them in those choices anymore. They are burdened down by anxiety and they don't know where peace is. We live in a collective void more than any other time. The blood of innocence cries out to anyone who would pay attention that there is a serious problem in our community. God was so good to the people of Israel, even in their exile after they had rejected him, he reached out to them again. And 70 years after Jerusalem was destroyed, he brought them back out of Babylon. And they finally decided that they would only worship God alone. And so the Lord began to speak to them and said, now you guys are ready for something. You've been used to my presence dwelling in a certain place at the temple. You've been used to maybe one or two superstars, like a prophet anointed with the Holy Spirit, or King David having the Holy Spirit, but you didn't have it. But a time is coming when I'm gonna pour out my spirit on all flesh, and they will know me. I will dwell with them, and I will remove the heart of stone that is in them and give them a heart that knows me and is responsive to me. And when Jesus Christ came, he came to fulfill those promises, friends. It says in John chapter one, verse 14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. You know that word dwelling is the one used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament for the tabernacle. The place of God's special presence has now become flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do you have a sense that God is with you? Because that's what Jesus came to do, is bring the presence of God to be with us. But he did more than that. For on the cross, he entered into our collective void of our sin and our hate and our emptiness. And it was all heaped upon him on that cross. And there on that cross, he still trusted, he still loved, and he beat the void that is within us.
He triumphed over sin and rose again on the third day. And so many of us have a faith that says, yes, I believe that God died for me through his son on the cross. He's with me. He died for me. But guys, the story didn't quite end there. Because 40 days later, after having shown himself to his disciples and said, you're my witnesses, Jesus ascended to be with the Father, and then they poured out their Holy Spirit upon us. There is more that we haven't had yet. There's more because there's a Pentecost presence of God that isn't just with you, isn't just for you in your place. He is in you and filling you. Are you okay with just living part of the Bible or do you want the whole thing? Jesus said to his disciples just before his crucifixion as he tried to pour out into their understanding what this indwelling of the Holy Spirit would mean, he said, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and we will make our home with them. Oh my goodness, the Father and Son will make his home with you? That's amazing, what a connection. And it is in that vein of connection that he says, abide in me as I abide in you. Some translations say, remain in me as I remain in you. And the idea is he will live in you and you will live in him. Your lives will become interpenetrated, connected. This is amazing stuff. And so he said, everything that's gonna happen is gonna be from me flowing into you. I am the vine, he said. You are the branches. Apart from me, sorry, if you abide in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we have that flowing in, filled, filled full presence of God in our lives, some amazing things happen. Jesus said, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Would you like joy this morning? Do you have it? If you do not have joy this morning, even in difficult circumstances, if there is not some joy from God coming in, I want to tell you this morning there's more for you. In John chapter 4, he said, God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. And then Jesus, in his last words, in his discourse to the disciples before his crucifixion, said this. Father, as you sent me into the world, now I'm sending them into the world. Does that sound like love my city at all? For them I sanctify myself. Do you know what that means? I wholly devote myself to God in holiness. Jesus did that. In order that, so that they too may be truly sanctified, truly holy, and wholly devoted to God. That's what you were made for, my friends. Now Jesus is known to have made this statement, I am the light of the world. That's what he said. He also said, 
You are the light of the world. Confusing. Here's how it works, though. It is Jesus who lives right in you to shine out who is the light of the world. This is what we go to do. And so we can finish the verse, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But I know what so many of you are thinking this morning. How can I bring the presence of God to others when I do not really feel his presence myself? It's time for you to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You believe in Jesus, right? You believe he died and rose again for your sins? And it's time to uh, believe that he ascended to pour out the Holy Spirit to fill you. It's time to get that connection open wide. Just crank that tap open and let the power and presence of God flood into you. And so I wanna invite you right now to say something with me from your heart. Just say, I surrender, come fill me. Can we do that? I surrender, come fill me. I surrender control, I'm gonna trust you. I surrender my sins, I surrender my goals, I surrender all. I'm empty, now come fill me. And then guys, everything changes. Then your daily routine is not reading a couple verses and saying a quick prayer, it's opening the word of God and hearing him speak, and it's reaching out to God and connecting to him and being filled every day. It's not coming to church and singing a nice song or humming something in the radio on your car. It is worshiping the Lord and connecting to him and having his presence flow into you. You're on fire then. <laughs> and so when the Holy Spirit was poured out, it says something like tongues of fire were on each one of their heads. We don't really believe in that on a, on a level, do we? We believe in a natural world. We believe in our own efforts, our own intellect. We don't really believe God intervenes. Maybe we've heard stories about how he intervened and did miraculous things in the past, in old days. Over there in Africa, he does miraculous things. In Brazil, he does miraculous things. But maybe not here. If you would just follow with me for a second, I would like to tell you about two weeks of miracles, the last two weeks here. And so that I will not be accused of emotionalism or make googly-eyed funny faces to try to express how amazing it was, I'm gonna just tell you the facts. I don't think there's anyone here that would call me a liar. Hope not. But you might think I'm lying by the time I'm done telling you the facts. Last Sunday, there was a man so convicted by the Holy Spirit and in such a spiritual battle for three days that he came forward for prayer and said, I am literally for the past days vibrating with the presence of the Holy Spirit and his conviction is so strong on me, what do I do? 
This week, a man told me about being, feeling the presence of God so strong that he couldn't stand up. It was like, stand up, everyone, and he couldn't stand because the weight of God's glory was upon him. A man shared about not being able to stop the tears flowing. He goes, what's wrong with me? I don't cry. But it wasn't emotion that was being touched. It was the spiritual core of his being, and it was welling up. We've had times of prayer so intense recently that waves of God's light and love have flooded over us, and all we could do was worship him. In this presence of God, we have experienced his leading I don't know if anyone noticed last week as the choir was up here that halfway through, somebody joined the choir. They came up from their seat and came and put their arm around someone. The person that she came up and put her arm around was praying to God and saying, God, my sciatic nerve is so activated right now, I think I'm gonna fall down right in the middle of this song. Please help me. And then God spoke to a woman sitting right over here and said, go up and put your arm around that lady. Susan had that word from the Lord so direct. In the staff meeting before that, and another time of prayer, Pastor Dave stopped the whole thing and said, God just spoke to me and laid on my heart that we need to pray for natives from Ellis Pogtog and from the Little Reserve by Dorchester. And on the night of worship, two natives walked in from Ellis Pugtog who had been driving around looking for God. And a young adult shared how God had laid on her heart to start a ministry for natives in the Dorchester area. With the spirit of God and his presence, we can actually fight battles for people's souls. Recently, we have seen several deliverances from false spirituality, where the darkness and heaviness of oppressing spirits was thrown off, and God's light came rushing in, not just one or two cases, several. This week, my mother, who is a prison chaplain in Truro, fought a battle with the presence of God. In our compromised and pluralistic world, a prison chaplain is responsible to give any religious material requested by an inmate. My mother does that job because she can be in there and present Jesus to many, and one-third of the women in that prison come out routinely to church, and so many are finding Christ. But this week, someone said, I want a satanic Bible. And my mom said, you can take my job, I won't do it. All the staff prayed for her. Two hours later, she had a meeting with the national director for the chaplaincy. And not only did they say, you don't have to do that. And this was a person who was so liberal and pluralistic that that was a miracle. Not only do you don't have to do that, but we like to go, I want you to go and tell the lady yourself. So my mom went into that prison cell and talked to the lady and found out what had actually been happening with that lady is she'd been reading the Bible the Old Testament, the New Testament, and someone said, you should compare some other scriptures. So she said, well, maybe I'll check out the Quran and the Satanic Bible, but you know what? My mother said, oh, guess who Satan is? A liar, a killer, a stealer, who's out to destroy your life. Can I tell you about Jesus? And so rather than losing her job, 
on Friday, she got to share Jesus. Before Easter Bunny Blast, so many of you joined in going door to door. And sometimes those experiences were just kind of good and cool and invitations. But one night, God showed up. I got to be part of it. There was this guy I was working with I hardly knew, but I kind of had a lot of the Holy Spirit on him. And we go up one side of the, 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 the road each, and, and I came out of the first house. I'm like, oh my goodness, I just came upon a guy that, that there's been a prayer card filled out for this guy for six weeks. And I just talked to him, prayed for him, and invited him. And he's here today, by the way, guys. And then, the, and then he's saying, I just prayed for a guy, and his stomach was hurting really bad, and it stopped hurting immediately. And then we went down, and people were just opening up and, and being really weird, like, hi, yeah, please pray for me. This is my deepest problem. What? It's the presence of God. I'm sorry, I'm losing my news announcer voice. The last house we got to on the street, uh, I said, hey, Let's do this one together. And I wanted to watch this guy in action. And so he took the lead, and the person was like, yeah, Easter Bunny Blast, sure, that'd be good. Maybe I'll invite my grandkids, we'll see. And, uh, you know, would you like prayer? No, everything is good. So she stands tall and proud. And then God spoke to this man, and he said, God is telling me that you have a problem in your lower back. And I went, that's a, that's a big one to throw out there, buddy. And she said, I have three discs out in my low back. And the job I do is killing me. Yes, you can pray for my back. And as he laid his hand on her and I laid my hand on him, he prayed for about 40 seconds and then the presence of God came so strongly that she jumped back and said, why is your hand so warm? What is happening to me? She was so excited and so enthused, she sent us next door to a place we weren't even going to go to pray for her Mormon neighbor who needed healing. I actually in preparation for this sermon, went back on Thursday and just said, hey, how's it going? And she kind of hedged and whatever because God's working on this person. And then finally she goes, you know what? I've been so distracted by a family illness that I haven't hardly noticed it, but now that you mention it, I've been picking up grandkids, doing things. Everything's good. I mean, I might just be a tiny sore, bit sore, but feels pretty good. I said, well, can I just pray for you for the last bit of healing for that? And we'll pray for your family member that's sick too. And uh, I was wishing for the other guy, because, you know, if you want to be healed, never ask me to pray for you. It never works. I get healed, personally. I can give you three. I got faith, but it, nothing happens. Anyway, so, I was, Lord, I wish this other guy was here. I go, Lord, I reach out to you right now, and I just asked for your presence. I touched your hand, and she jumped twice as high as the other day and said, it's hot in here. She took off her cardigan and went, what is up with that? What is going on with the power of God? Your hand's on fire. I said, no, it's not. Feel it. And she said, it's that hand. No, it's that hand. Her granddaughter was there. Feel that hand. I said, it's got nothing to do with me. Nothing ever happens like that with me. That's the power of God in his presence. He's trying to get a hold of you. And then the next day, a gentleman came to my home to do a routine job that I needed to be done. And for some strange reason, second sentence, third, fourth sentence out of his mouth is, well, by the way, I, I kind of want to believe in God, but I just can't believe in Jesus. I can't believe in the miracles. And he goes, I don't know why I said that. <laughs> I said, so you think the miracles were just legends and stuff? They got piled up over time? Yeah, I do. I said, well, guess what? I happen to teach a New Testament class. Whew whipped out a little uh, uh, readings from the New Testament uh, times from Jesus' enemies. And, and the counter story to Jesus wasn't that no miracles happened. The counter story was, well, he was a sorcerer. And I said, see what that means? Historically speaking, Jesus' enemies confirmed 
that he did the miraculous. They just said it was from Satan, and that's exactly what's in Luke and Matthew in the encounters that Jesus had. And then I said, but you still don't believe me, do you? Because you've never seen a miracle, have you? He said, no, I've never seen one. I said, well, can I tell you about the lady? <laughs> and I started to tell him about the lady, and I said, and so what I did is I just laid my hand on her, and he jumps back. And he goes, whoa, what was that? What's that? What's going on? Oh, my goodness. He goes, I'm not making it up, you know. I'm not making it up. This guy's just here to fix my house. I go, you don't have to convince me. He goes, no, but something just happened. Like, I'm not joking. There's nothing wrong with me. Something just happened. I said, well, that's the power of God. I said, do you believe in Jesus now? And he said, yeah, I do. And he gave his heart to Jesus and bounced out of that house when he was done his job. You see, it doesn't matter if you're the lead pastor, a staff pastor. It doesn't matter if you are an assistant. It doesn't matter if you're just a guy that goes door to door who's got no title. It doesn't matter if you've never experienced the power of God flowing through you in, in a certain way. It doesn't matter if that just never happens to you. What matters is that when you come into the presence of God and you are filled by him and surrendered to him, he begins to do the miraculous and the impossible. And so as we go out to do these serves in the Love My City, yeah, we can paint some things, we can help some seniors, we can go to some schools, and we could do some good deeds. But I'm trusting that if we're filled with the presence of God, that when we're brought in proximity with these people, that God's gonna show up. And he's going to start doing amazing things. And he'll do it through little old you and me and him and her. Because at the end of the day, God says, I will not share my glory. None of you get to be a superstar. It is together as we collectively move into the void with the presence of God that he does his work through each one of us and he alone is glorified. And all of our faith rises and all of us get a chance to be filled with the presence of God. And so now as we begin to move into a few minutes of worship, it's not just one song, it's not 15 minutes of songs, but it's a moment for you. Would you say, I surrender, come fill me. I don't want to be stuck in the Old Testament where I got to go to some place to feel the presence of God, but when I leave, the presence isn't there and where only special people get anointed. I don't want to just have a God who's with me Christmassy, I feel him, he's there. I don't just even want a Jesus who paid for my sins. I want the presence of God in my life. And I will not be left behind. I am a born again Christian and I deserve to be baptized by the Holy Spirit. I am just as good as anyone else. It's a gift of salvation and it's a gift of filling with your presence. And I claim that presence today. Would you guys stand? Can we sing? Where is the people? <laughs> and uh, we need the prayer team down here. 
And I invite you right now to be filled by the Holy Spirit. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, it says. They had been in prayer, the early disciples. And Peter, the denier, became Peter the bold. And the disciples went out and shared Jesus in all the power that he had. It's happening here, my friends. It's happening today. And it can happen in your life right now. So be like the guy that came to fix my place. Why don't you be honest? Yeah, I just don't believe you do that. And watch what God does because he will be glorified in your life today. Let's sing.